Hi, everyone. Welcome and thank you for tuning into The Animal Files, the podcast where we expose the truth, science, and spirituality of pet care and provide you with the wisdom and tools you need to raise happy and healthy companion animals. My name is Victoria, an animal spirituality facilitator and integrative energy practitioner. And my name is Miranda, an animal health technologist and pet care safety expert. Let's dive in, shall we? This week, we're going to talk about understanding pet insurance and how to better prepare for unexpected costs. What is pet health insurance? How does it work? Is it for you or is it not for you? These are some of the questions that we hope to answer this week. There is a lot of different opinions. Now, Miranda, you had noticed in your research that there's some people that are pro-insurance, some people who are anti-insurance, some people who are like, eh, about it. What if you found? Well, there seems to be a lot of confusion around it, a lot of misunderstandings, and people have had different experiences with insurance. I think that the varying experiences have a lot to do with not getting the full picture before buying the insurance and not knowing what questions need to be asked ahead of time to help ensure that you are getting the best choice for you and your animals. Yeah, I've had pet insurance for years and it is not an easy soup (laughs) to weed through, I guess, to use some type of visual for you. There's an awful lot of companies nowadays that have their version of pet insurance. When I first started having pet insurance years ago, there wasn't that many players. There was a few, some big names, some smaller names. Those have since been absorbed by bigger companies. And now the waters are a little bit muddy and it's really hard to navigate. We ended up going with another small company when we had our two that we have now. And it was a lot of research that we had to do. So what do you recommend that our listeners do when they're searching through the different pet insurance options out there? Well, the first thing is they need to be really clear on why they want to get insurance in the first place. Are they looking for it for coverage for potential accidents, injuries, uh, acute illnesses? Are they looking for it to help cover possible medications that the animal might need? Are they looking for it for general care? What is the exact reason? I think one of the things that sometimes people the way people look at insurance is that they look at it as kind of an investment option. Well, I put this much money in per month, so I should get something back. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't work work that that way. way. It's very much like your car insurance, your (laughs) home insurance. I mean, you do get something back. You get peace of mind. You just don't get financial benefit back unless something happens. And you would hope that nothing does end up happening to your animal. So yeah, you might end up having to pay 20 to, I don't know what the highest amount is out there, but per month, $20 or more per month. And 
It may seem expensive to you, but consider if your animal ends up having a serious accident or injury where you're going to end up with a surgery or a treatment that's going to cost three, four, five thousand dollars or maybe more. If you don't have the insurance and you don't have anything, any other plans set up, then you either have to pay for that out of pocket or you may end up having to make an alternative choice that you may not want to make. Yeah, we don't want to make those. We don't want to make those choices. Well, you know, the more I think about pet insurance, just in in my opinion, as we were doing the research for pet insurance, yeah, it seems like you're putting in a lot of money and not getting much back. Well, I think that's just a, a skew in perception because if you think about here in America, health insurance is really expensive for humans. It's like ridiculously expensive. I personally don't have health insurance because just for me, just me as the healthy person that I am today, it would cost me $700 a month. (laughs) Yeah. It's a lot of money. Now you take that in respect to your animal. If you're only paying like my my cats right now, I think we're at $17 a month. That's a huge difference. <laughs> 17, yeah, $17 a month to protect against any health issues that would come down the line. It's really not expensive. It's not a waste of money because most insurance plans will pay 70 to 80% of an emergency surgery, mm-hmm. let's just say. So if you look at that, so $17 a month, let's just round it up to 20. So you have $20 a month you're paying for your animal for 12 months. That doesn't seem to be a lot of money. It really doesn't yearly. Now you take my human insurance, $700 a month times that by 12. Then you add the deductibles on top of that. Pet health insurance deductibles are pretty low. I think it's like, whether you can choose a plan like $250 or $500 deductible, where a lot of the insurance plans here in the US of A, it's like a $5,000 deductible. So you're paying the $700 a month for 12 months and you have to pay $5,000 deductible for any medical thing. What are you really paying for? What is your What insurance are you paying for? You know what I'm saying? Like you're taking all that money out of your pocket So as far as in the relation to human insurance and pet insurance, it Mm -hmm. really isn't a lot of money. If you think of it in that way, it does tend to shift perspective and makes pet insurance seem a little Mm -hmm. worthwhile. But how do we pick the right one? Because there are some companies out there that aren't on the up and the up and Mm -hmm. they're just taking your money. So that also might be coming into play in in the fear. So what do you think we should do about that? I mean, should we ask certain questions? Like some people may be asking the question, well, do I really need pet insurance? Right. Right. And people may have had insurance in the past and decided they, I don't know, got the the wrong end of the stick or something with a previous animal (laughs) or they just didn't have a good experience with the company they were with and so have decided to shun it all together. There's been a lot of issues of, well, I I can't say a lot of issues, but there have been issues of people complaining that they had a procedure, a test, or some kind of a treatment 
for their animal and then they go to claim it with their insurance company and the company refuses to reimburse. I think the big thing is that it is largely not having known what the right questions are to ask Mm -hmm. and not being really clear on what you want the insurance to cover. Number one question or number one thing is, as I said earlier, is to consider what reason do you want to have the insurance for? But you also need to research the insurance companies as well and find out what do they offer because not all companies offer the same thing. And some may cover pre-existing conditions, many won't, but there are some that will consider it. You also have to consider the, the age and the breed of your animal or the type of animal that you have as well, whether the insurance company will cover them or not. And there can be a possibility that some might cover some medications or prescription foods. Some might cover some wellness care. So these are things that you need to ask the insurance company about and decide what is important to you. But also talk to other people and find out what their experiences were with different companies. Again, they could give you a negative review about a company for the same reason that we're talking about, that they didn't know the right questions to ask or weren't clear enough on what they wanted covered. So you you have to kind of take reviews with a little bit of grain of salt. Mm -hmm. You know, take into consideration what they say, but do your own research as well. You have to do your research when you have an animal because there's so much information out there in any subject that you have to weed through the stuff that really isn't the truth or is kind of hiding something. And from our own experience, when we are trying to find the insurance for our two little ones right now is we went to several companies and asked certain questions because we weren't sure what was going to happen. They were little. And we knew that we had this big open door of there could be potentially something wrong with them because they were found in the wild. So we had to make sure and weed out the companies that said, no, we're not going to handle that or no, we're not going to cover that or no, we don't even touch that type of stuff. And we ended up finding one that isn't perfect, but it serves our needs at the moment. And of course, we're probably going to be stuck with them because now our cats have an issue that would be considered pre-existing. So we're going to have to navigate that from here on out. And they're only, they're just under two years old. So yeah, lots of research, lots of question asking, lots Mm -hmm. of phone calls. And if you're going to consider getting pet insurance, the best time to consider it is as soon as you get the animal. So either when they're puppies and kittens. Oh, yes. (laughs) bunnies or whatever animal it is that you get, because it's not exclusive to just dogs and cats. There are other ones that will provide coverage for other types of pets. But that's, again, a question you would have to find out. But even if you adopt or buy an animal at uh, a later age, maybe they're two years or older, look into the insurance as soon as you get them, because yes, there is a possibility of pre-existing condition, but you may not know about it. So if you don't know about it, you can't claim about it. So they can't say, oh, you know, you neglected to provide information. But saying that, 
if you know of a pre-existing condition and you try to hide it, that's going to bite you in the butt. <laughs> oh, yeah. That, <laughs> yeah, well, and it's going to hurt. <laughs> and that bite is going to hurt. So there's other things that mm-hmm. we need to ask, like what they cover. So the puppy and kitten care, there's, there's mm-hmm. different care there than an adult animal. But also we have here, some insurance companies will allow you to dispute Mm -hmm. or appeal decisions. That's also something that we don't always think about, but having that option allows you to have a little bit more control Mm -hmm. over the healthcare of your animal. Do you have anything that you can speak on that or is it just something that you saw in your research? Well, it is definitely an option to consider. And uh, I believe there were third party option, a third option appeal organizations that you can go to that are not necessarily part of the insurance company itself that you're dealing with. But if you're going to do that, you need to make sure you're not doing it just because you are annoyed about having to pay for a certain amount, you need to make sure that it's a legitimate dispute. You know, you need to have proof to back up what it is you're saying. And you need to be able to really know the terms and conditions of the insurance company. Because if you don't really know it, and you dispute something, but there ends up being something in their terms and conditions that backs up why they refuse to reimburse, you're not going to win. So you really have to know your information if you're going to to make an appeal. I can sense people are going, oh, now I have to read the fine print. Um, (laughs) I know the frustration. (laughs) I get it. (laughs) I know. I mean, how many of us like sign up for something and we don't read the fine print? We don't read the terms of service. When it comes to situations like this, you got to read the fine print. Right. You know, you want to have all your ducks in a row before you do something like appeal a decision. But at least it's something that is there to help you take more control. But you have to make sure that whatever insurance company you pick, that you read their fine print. Mm -hmm. That being said, there's some alternative options that some places have. So Mm -hmm. we should talk about them a little bit. Mm -hmm. What can they choose if they don't have a good insurance company in their area? Well, I came across three different organizations. These are basically in North America, but there may be other options depending on where you live. And if there isn't, well, if you're thinking about starting a a business, then that would be something you can consider creating in your community. (laughs) Yes. Oh my gosh. (laughs) There's your permission, people. (laughs) We need to help the animals. So let's do it globally. Yes. Do what we can. (laughs) So what are the, what are the ones that you saw, you found? Well, these are three different types of, of options. So there's one that's called, I think it's, I'm guessing it's pronounced USO, E-U-S-O-H. And what it is, it's a community sharing platform. So instead of it being a business where you're paying money to a specific company to provide you with a certain service, it's instead, it's members that are paying into it and they help each other. 
The thing you have to consider though, is that you don't get the money up front if you have a need for it for a vet bill. You still have to pay for the cost. And, and, and this is, I think, a case actually for a lot of insurance companies is that you still have to pay for the bill out of pocket first, and then you can apply for reimbursement or sub, uh, submit for reimbursement. And that works a lot the same way, except that it's going to be the member's fees that are reimbursing you rather than a company that's reimbursing you. It's like a crowd sharing. It's like a yeah. crowd fund sharing. Yeah. Crowd fund sharing. I don't know if that's the <laughs> word, but like a, like a crowd sharing where like everybody kind of puts into the kitty and then kitty <laughs> uh, <laughs> into, into this, like into the kitty, I'm going to use it. And then when people need to apply, they take the money out of their pocket, they pay the vet bills, and then they go and they apply for reimbursement. And then it's like you're pulling out of the kitty right. to help pay your bills. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah, put it into the kitty. <laughs> Not a real kitty, but <laughs> but no, I actually kind of like that. I like that. I like the whole crowdfunding idea. So you said there you had three. So what are the other right. two that you found? So the second one is called Pet Assure, and it's a discount club. So this one is available in Canada from what I saw. You get up to 25% discount off of your vet bills. So the fee, the monthly fee that you pay in is already less than what you would pay with regular pet insurance companies. Okay. And the last one is called POP. P-A-W-P. It's a 24-7 telemedicine service. So video call, basically. And it provides you with access to virtual vets and with potential access to a $3,000 emergency fund once a year. In order to be able to access the, uh, this emergency fund, you would have to have a video call with one of the POP vets who needs to confirm that it is an actual emergency. Once they've given that confirmation, then the fund, the, three, the emergency fund will be activated and you will have four hours in which you can go to your own vet or any vet of your choice and use that, that emergency fund. Oh, wow. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So that's a good option if you end up having maybe a smaller smaller emergency, or at least it can reduce the costs that you have to pay out of pocket. Yeah. Like if your animal gets hit by a car and it's going to cost you $5,000 to fix it, at least you have a little bit of a, a buffer or like where right. you don't have to put out all of that. Mm -hmm. I think those are really great options. I hope one day that Pettisure actually goes throughout at least North America and then spreads into the world. It's very simple, like 25% off your bills. Mm -hmm. That makes a big difference. Mm -hmm. And it's easier. I think it's just easier to, to work with. But the whole pop thing, I mean, we do telemedicine all the time mm -hmm. where you just call somebody and it's you pay for the, the call and you get to talk to somebody. I just like that whole idea. Yeah. And this telemedicine thing is becoming more and more popular now with everything that's been going on for the last year and a bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But so. you know what? I think it's going to be a new way. 
yes. of life. And I love the fact that it's being extended to animals, mm-hmm. you know, because a lot of animals, they get super stressed when you bring them to the vet. Right. And if there are things put into place that can help ease the stress levels. And we've talked about stress a lot on this show. Stress is something that affects every aspect of your animal's life. So if there's any way to reduce that stress level, then that's going to benefit the animal in the long term. Mm-hmm. And I just love that idea. Yeah. Uh, there's lots of options out there. Just yeah. do your research and see what's best for you. I just want to caution though about the telemedicine or video calls with the vet, because although they are a great idea, they are still a somewhat limited option because there are some diagnoses that are a lot of things that a vet will not be able to diagnose without doing a physical exam. Yeah. They, they can ask a bunch of questions. Like we've said with the keeping a journal and monitoring your animal on a regular basis, the more you know about your animal and being able to recognize the discrepancies that might come up, then with these types of video calls, the more effective they will be because you will be able to give much more accurate information to your vet. And there might be visual things that they can see through the camera as well. But if it's a more internal thing, it's going to be really difficult and they're still probably going to need to see the vet to be able to really determine what is going on. So don't rely completely on that, this type of service. Yeah. There's a lot of things. I know that the vets feel something like they palpate the body and they feel something that they don't know is there. Mm -hmm. And then it goes and they do the x-ray and they realize, Oh, that's something that we need to take care of. Right. You don't know that information from a phone call Mm -hmm. and the vet is not going to trust you in doing the palpation because the average person has no idea where the organs in the body are located and they're not going to feel they, they don't have the sensitivity that a vet has as far as palpating the animal. Right. Or if they have to check the urine or the blood or something like that. Oh, totally. Yeah. You know, it requires training to be able to put a needle into the right place to be able to get the blood and the urine without causing any damage and without contaminating what you're getting and all this type of thing. So yeah, there's definitely things that have to be done in clinic or with, um, there are also in-home vets that will also come and uh, do that. I don't know if there's that many of them at this point, but that might be an increase of service as we go along. We can only hope. Yes. Because I think that would be great. <laughs> I think house I think house calls need to come back for both humans and animals. Yeah. I really do. There's a lot of business people out there that are trying to control the medical industry in general and forcing doctors to work within certain constraints that takes away from the actual why they became a doctor in the first place. So I think the more we can go back to the house calls, extend it into the veterinary sciences as well, I think it's going to end up being a better, a better thing. Oh, 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 you know, I don't even know the word I'm looking for, but I think it's just going to be better in general. Mm-hmm. It really is 
because then we can start treating the patient as a living thing and not a number. And we mentioned that when we were talking about vets, we don't want, you don't want a vet to treat your pet like a number. We don't want to be treated like a number when we go to the doctor. Mm -hmm. Do your research, number one. That's the first thing. I hope we stress that enough. Do your research. But pet insurance is probably going to be the thing that's going to protect you the most. You have these alternative things. You have the reimbursement plans. You have the discount plans in Canada. I would say pet insurance is probably still, at least in my opinion, a better choice because then you have that peace of mind and you can go and get those physical exams and actually go to the vet and talk to the vet. You want to have a relationship with your vet. We stress that over and over again. You want to partner with your vet. And I don't know how POP works, but you may get different vets every time you call. And that will limit the connection you have with your animal's doctor. So find your vet, get your insurance, and take care of your animal in a way that's going to put them first. I think that's... What my my final thought for the first half of this show <laughs> is that you need to do your research and you need to find what works for you. Mm-hmm. And pet insurance is definitely a viable option. So please do not discount that because your animals should come first and you want to make sure that you're providing the service for them. Mm-hmm. So we're going to leave you with that. And you got a last minute thought. Yeah, I was just going to say that at the very least, have a regular vet that you have a relationship with. So even if you do choose to use POP, if you have a clinic that you go to and you have an established relationship with a vet, then it won't be as critical if you use the POP vet because that's going to be more for emergencies only. Yeah. So now we want to help you ask the right questions. What do you need to know And what do you need to ask? I'm going to let Miranda take this because there's lots of questions that can help you make the right choice. (laughs) So let us know. (laughs) What what did you find? What do you think are the best questions that we should be asking when we are doing the research? Well, there's a whole slew of questions to ask. But the top ones that I felt were the most important was to find out what type of insurance does a company offer and what exactly does it cover and include. You know, if you get insurance that is for wellness coverage or puppy kitten coverage, it may not include emergency coverage for accidents and sudden illnesses. So you may end up having to pay additional to get that as well. Mm. That is something to consider. What exactly is being covered? And we mentioned about pre-existing conditions. What does the company consider to be a pre-existing condition? They might have different ideas than what you do. So you need to be really clear. Good point. Yeah. And there are definitely things to... Think about with pre-existing because there are things that you may not realize would be a pre-existing condition. Just to go to the next question, and then I'll add on to the one about the pre-existing, is whether or not the insurance company accepts animals of any age, any breed, or any type of pet. 
The reason why the breed is a consideration is because unfortunately the breeding industry to acquire certain characteristics in the breeds of animals that we have. It also includes breeding various health issues into them as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we talked about that in an earlier yeah. episode. It, it's crazy what they do. It's a real unfortunate thing. It's not to say that animals that are not purebreds can't have genetic health issues or not, but it's definitely a lot more prominent in purebreds. For example, German shepherds are known to often have hip dysplasia. That would be considered a pre-existing condition, even even if they're not presenting right, signs because they're highly susceptible to getting it anyways. Dachshunds could have back issues. Their back ha- tends to be extra long compared to regular dogs. And so they are known to have more issues with their back. Animals that are bred to have the squashed faces, either cats or dogs, they're more likely to have respiratory issues. Sharpays are likely to have skin issues. So if you're getting a purebred, you need to understand what health issues are prominent for that particular breed and realize that those issues may not be covered if they should present themselves in your animal. Yeah, I feel bad for those animals. But I'm going to say, if you want to avoid some of those pre-existing conditions that come with a breed, go to your rescue. Mm-hmm. Adopt adopt an animal that might be a mutt. Mm-hmm. Mutts tend to be healthier. They can have still have issues, but they tend to be healthier and they would not be considered pre-existing mm-hmm. conditions. <laughs> <laughs> so save an animal, go to a rescue. Um, anyway. <laughs> Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, it's sad that these companies are doing that, where even though an animal doesn't present with those issues, it's still considered pre-existing because of Mm -hmm. the breed. It's sad, but what are you going to do? Research, find a company that doesn't do that. Mm -hmm. It's the best option. So what else? So looking at the age of the animal is something to consider because generally the older the animal the more premiums you're going to pay. Mm -hmm. But if they're already 12 years old or older, then the insurance company may refuse to even accept them in the first place. The other thing with older animals is that there usually tends to be more health issues. A lot of older cats will end up having kidney disease or diabetes or maybe something with their liver these are considered common illnesses. And so if the insurance company feels like your animal is a likely candidate to get this type of illness, then they might refuse to, to provide that coverage. Yeah, or, or charge you an awful lot of money. Right. And type of pet as well. There's so many different types of pets that people can have now. Obviously, dogs and cats are the most common, but People have rabbits and birds and pocket pets and reptiles and other exotics, sometimes pot-bellied pigs. And I know other places will have, well, essentially wild animals as pets, which is a whole nother issue. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, we won't go into that little <laughs> rabbit hole. <laughs> That's a can of worms. <laughs> so depending on the type of pet you have, again, the insurance company may or may not cover that type of animal. Yeah, I can tell you my own experience with that because when I had my cockatiel, he was old and I wanted to get insurance on him just to cover my butt because he was getting old. And I found one insurance company that covered birds hmm. and they wouldn't even touch him because he was old. And so I ended up having to pay out of pocket a thousand dollars in a week after that because he ended up getting sick. Hmm. But out of all of the insurance companies I checked, there was one insurance company that covered birds. I don't even know if they have insurance companies that cover things like lizards and snakes. I think that one that covered birds also covered some of the more common reptiles. Mm. But yeah, it's you got to make sure. I mean, there may be in your area, there may be no insurance companies that would cover your exotic pet. Mm -hmm. which is sad. I hope that changes. I really do. But mm -hmm. you got to ask those questions. Mm -hmm. The other side of that too, is that the more you ask these insurance company, these kind of questions, the more that they're going to realize that this is something people want, because maybe they don't really realize mm -hmm. that it's something people want and don't see the value in it. Maybe they think that there's like maybe one out of 3,000 people who have reptiles or something like that and don't see any benefit in providing insurance for those type of pets. So most of the companies that we checked, they just did cats and dogs, mm -hmm. which is fine because there's more cats and dogs in, in certain areas than any other animal. But it's a good question to ask. Mm -hmm. So premiums are generally going to be based on the age and the breed of your animal, but it also varies depending on where you live. I don't know exactly how it works based on location. I would assume that a larger metropolis area is more likely going to charge more than a smaller town area. But don't, that makes sense. Don't quote me on that because I, I don't know for sure how exactly they determine that? Another good question to ask. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but I think a lot of times if you're in an area and if you do a Google search for insurances, there's going to be a lot of companies that won't pop up in your search because of your location settings. Right. But you never know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Another thing to ask about is, can you see any veterinarian that you want? Or are there only certain clinics or hospitals that the insurance company has partnered with? So if you've already developed a relationship with a vet and now you're looking for insurance, you might have a little bit more of a challenge because the companies you're looking at may not work with the vet that you have chosen. You may be really limited to certain ones. I think my vet, they now, they've expanded, but when I first started having insurance for my animals, they only accepted, I think, one insurance company. Mm. So you need to ask these questions to your vet too, to find out what insurances that you accept. Mm -hmm. They may have expanded to accept others, but that might also limit your research 
when trying to choose an insurance company. Mm -hmm. Another way to get that information is to go to your vet first, find out what insurances you carry, and then go. But this is also something to consider, you know, what way back whenever it was that we talked about choosing your vet in the first place. That's one thing. That's one mm, thing to keep yes. in the back of your mind when you're searching for your vet that you want to work with and partner with is keeping in mind, okay, well, what kind of insurance do they cover or do they accept? That could have a basis on your decision as well. Yeah. So what other questions do you think are important for us to ask? Well, you want to find out, are there any kinds of care that are excluded or limited? What does that mean? If you are going to go to your vet and there might be certain tests that are done or certain treatments that are given or something like that, would your insurance company cover all of those or are they going to consider those things to be kind of like normal wear and tear sort of things, essentially? Or were they something that were needed to deal with something larger, like a, a more serious issue? This, again, is where you need to be really clear on what they cover. Unlike our human insurances, most pet insurances do not cover alternative therapies mm -hmm. like acupuncture and chiropractic and massage. Because that's not really widespread now in the veterinary clinics. It's getting there. Mm -hmm. But the insurances, because they're so new, they're not covering that yet. Right. So just like our health insurances just started covering chiropractic mm -hmm. care and some of the alternatives, veterinary insurance has not gotten there yet. Yeah. And dental care is another thing too. Oh, yeah. That could be considered part of the normal wear and tear of everyday regular care for your animal. So that might be something that they don't cover. You know, I was just thinking too, for human insurance, at least here in Canada for, um, for dental work, there's usually some coverage that they give for regular cleaning and for some fillings in that, but then when it gets to be more advanced, like root canals or crowns and that type of thing, the coverage is very, very minimal. Not that animals are going to get those type of things, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, just keeping that sort of idea in mind in relation to what pet insurance may or may not cover and to, to what degree they'll cover it. And I think a lot of well, I don't, I don't know if it's going to change, but those, the few insurances that might cover dental, they probably only cover certain things. They probably don't cover all dental care. Like they might just cover the cleaning. So mm -hmm. if there's an issue with the teeth outside of that, they may not cover that, or they may cover the issue, but not the cleaning. Right. Yeah. It's another question to make sure you have an answer to before you choose. Mm-hmm. And the last question that I thought was important is to understand what are the waiting periods. Now, there's two aspects to that. There is, once you decide to get the insurance, how long do you have to wait before it kicks in? The second part is, when you submit a claim for some treatment or surgery or something that 
has needed to be done, how long do you have to wait to get reimbursement? How quick is the turnaround on that? So those are two questions to consider as well. We had to wait, I think it was three weeks before they were covered. And I think that's a way that the insurance companies protect themselves a little bit because there could be people who know that there might be something wrong with their animal, but they haven't gotten a diagnosis quite yet. So they're trying to game the system, get the insurance and then claim it. The insurance company needs to make sure that people are not trying to commit insurance fraud. Mm -hmm. And I think human insurance companies do the same thing where there's that period before you get the coverage because they want to make sure that there is nothing that you're hiding from them. Mm -hmm. Now, if you really want to delve in and really get a deep understanding of what your pet, pet insurance does and doesn't do, what they offer, what they don't offer, there's a website you can go to. They've got a list of 20 questions that you can ask. And this is probably, the, the list that they have is probably still not all inclusive. There's probably even more questions than these that you can ask, but it's a place to start. And the website is www.hespeleranimalhospital.com. Hespeler is spelled H-E-S-P-E-L-E-R, Animal Hospital. And then you can do a search, and I think they have an actual document on their website, the 20 questions to ask. Yes. Oh, I don't know if it's a, if it's a document you can download or print. Um, or just the page. It just might be the page, but it's basically after the slash, it says 20 questions to ask when you shop for pet insurance. So you can just do a search, look for that in the website and it should come up. And we'll put this in our Facebook group as a resource And we will also put it on our website in our resources page. So make sure that you hop on over to our Facebook group and join. That's the Animal Files community. And our website is the animalfilespodcast.com. I think the main thing that we need to stress is no matter what you choose, research, 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 Mm -hmm. get your data make informed decisions and be discerning. Yes. So you can look at forums, you can look at pet Facebook groups or LinkedIn groups or whatever and get different ideas from people through that way, but just don't rely on them 100%. If somebody has a complaint about a company, look into it. Find out why they had this issue and look at reputable sites. There are sites that do reviews on different insurance companies. You can look at veterinary-related sites that might have different information. You have to be careful. Stuff could be biased. I would say take a big picture of everything. Mm -hmm. So if you find a site that's got a bunch of reviews or a forum or whatever, if 80% of the reviews are highly positive and you have 20% that aren't, You can at least be more confident that there's more positive than negative. Mm -hmm. If you go to something and you have like, say, there's only 20 reviews and 10 of them are like raving, but 10 of them are like, crap, crap, crap. 
then you know that there's something that you need to look into further. Mm -hmm. So take a big picture view when you're looking at reviews. And I guess the what the word I'm looking for is reviews and comments. Yes. Yes. It's sometimes tricky to tell, but there are reviews that good reviews that are paid for. So be discerning. Yeah, just be discerning. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, there's always going to be people trying to pull the wool over your eyes. Yeah. And unfortunately, that's just the way life is. It sucks, but it happens in every aspect of life, not just with your animals. It's everywhere. Yeah. And it's up to you to be the responsible person mm -hmm. for yourself, for your animal. The way I kind of try to do it for myself when I'm looking at reviews is I try to find places that have a large amount of reviews, like a hundred plus, because if there's at least a hundred and let's say 80% are positive and 20 percent are not, chances are you're not going to have 80% paid reviews. Majority of them are most likely going to be legitimate. But if you've only got 10 reviews, and eight of them are highly positive or nine of them are highly positive and one is negative. Red flag. Yeah, that, <laughs> that could be a little iffy. So try to find reviews where there's as many reviews as possible to get the best idea. Yeah. Thanks for listening to us today. We hope we gave you a lot of information that you can use going forward. That is our goal, to give you lots of options. I know I say this a lot. I do say a lot of things a lot. But, <laughs> but our goal is not to tell you what to do. Our goal and our intention is to give you all of the options up front so you can make informed decisions for you and your animal. Hopefully we do our job and help your animals live longer, healthier, thriving lives. That's the whole point of this show. It's the whole point of all of the work that we do. And hopefully it helps you. I'm going to leave you all with that today. Take all this amazing information that Miranda was able to find for you and make the best decisions. And that's it. So have an amazing week and we will see you back here. Bye for now. Bye. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed the show, please be sure to rate, review, and recommend the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want some more great info, be sure to check out www.theanimalfilespodcast.com.